Thank you for joining us at the Center for Spiritual Living Seattle. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And for further information about our center, or if you wish to make a donation, please visit us at spiritualliving.org. Namaste and greetings, Seattle CSL. Thank you once again for inviting me to speak. And of course, uh, Reverend Dr. Kathy Ann Lewis, thank you once again for this invitation and the opportunity to talk about today's, specifically today's topic, free at last. So let's breathe for a second because we're getting ready to go into some stuff that's going to be like, ooh, free at last. So let's start with this idea of if I ask a question, what is freedom? What does that mean? What is liberation? Liberty, what does that mean? Emancipation, what does that mean? And the reason I ask is because there are many people who don't recognize that this thing we call science of mind and spirit is actually a liberation theology. Now, the reason I say that is because our declaration of principles, our we believe statements, number five says, we believe the ultimate goal of life to be a complete emancipation or freedom from all discord of every nature, and that this goal is sure to be attained by all. You catch that? We believe the ultimate goal of life to be a complete freedom from, emancipation from, all discord of every nature, and that everyone will achieve this goal. So what is emancipation? What is liberty? What is liberation? What is freedom? Because when we hear Emma Lazarus say, until we are all free, we are none of us free, which is echoed by Fannie Lou Hamer, who said, nobody's free until everybody's free. Nobody is emancipated until everyone is emancipated. What does that mean? Within our teaching, what are we invited to be, to do? What is our spiritual imperative regarding this thing called freedom? called emancipation? What does it mean for us to so live our teaching that we are the we believes in the flesh? In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God and that word was made flesh and God said, let there be light and there was. See, we don't have faith. Faith has us because that which is the infinite is living, moving and having its beingness as us. We are the walking embodiment of the divine. And yet, many of us are not walking that walk. Many of us are so entrenched in our paradigms and consciousness of lack and scarcity that when we show up, lack and scarcity shows up. Liberation, freedom, and emancipation do not show up. When we enter the room, the very vibration that comes off of us has the ability to liberate when we are showing up as that energy. So here we are. What does it mean for us, for each of us, to live, move, and have our beingness, to have our mental equivalent so steeped in principle that the words we speak, the actions we engage in, are a demonstration of this thing called freedom. That when someone sits down with us for coffee, we do not buy into that idea, that paradigm of war and rumors of war. We understand and recognize 
that war is an outward expression of an internal paradigm and consciousness. What is the truth we are invited to be, not just speak, not just pray, but to be? Our thoughts are prayers, and we are always praying. There is only one mind, and that mind is God, and that mind is infinite expanding consciousness, and that mind is my mind now. That mind is your mind now. You are the very mind of it, living, moving, and having your beingness. So when we are presented with this paradigm, this consciousness of xenophobia, homophobia, Islamophobia, racism, sexism, ableism, what truth are we invited to think and know? speak and express, feel and emote, and then engage, treat and move our feet. What are we now called to be in the world? Breathe. Because if we don't, if we don't truly step into that, then we are complicit. In the same way that in the story of the Good Samaritan, the first few people that walked past around and over the man left who was robbed and left for dead, those who walked around, stepped over, ignored, are complicit with those who beat and robbed him. Versus the spiritual imperative of the Good Samaritan who said, not only am I my brother's keeper, my sister's keeper, my non-gender conforming siblings keeper, I am them. They are me. I must act. I must do what is mine to do to tend to him, to care for him. What are we, both individually and collectively as a movement? CSL. As a movement, new thought. What are we being called to step into to truly embody a world that works for all, and then to manifest and demonstrate what we know internally as an external lived experience, not just for us, but for all the world. What are we truly being called into thinking, speaking, feeling, and knowing? Because we, we know and understand that there's quote-unquote, mental slavery. Those who do not have the ability in this moment to show themselves self-love, self-care, self-worth, who criticize, condemn, and judge themselves, that is a form of mental slavery. Those who are addicted to reality TV show and the trauma and drama of such things as Bridezilla and stuff, who I just love it when they fight it. You know, it's, it's so entertaining watching other people engage in non-life-affirming behavior. That is a form of mental slavery. And so we are invited to none of us are free until all of us are free. What am I now called to know about myself, called to know about culture and society? What am I called to speak about culture and society, myself, God, the nature of the universe? What am I called to do Having said my prayer, having treated, what movement are my feet, my body, my beingness called to engage in? And there are vast numbers of things 
But be aware that it's not just because people say, well, praying is an action. So that's me treating and moving my treatment. Me, me pray. It's the same, Reverend Ray. Holmes didn't say pray and then pray. Treat and move your feet. Go out in the world being that prayer in motion. Do what is yours to do. Speak the truth. And so many of us keeping new thought, keeping religious science as the best kept secret is not a demonstration of truth, liberty, and all that we know this teaching to be. But Reverend Ray, you know, I don't want to talk to people about it because they're going to think I'm in a cult or they're going to think it's Scientology or they're going to, oh, so you're ashamed of your spiritual practice. Rather than being the voice of clarity and rather than being the light, it's easier to place it under that bushel. It's easier to be complacent or apathetic rather than be bold and step out there and say, I understand and I recognize that the words of Yeshua, when he said, I have done these miracles and so can you and even greater, I recognize that that even greater is mine to do. I recognize that I am called to be the voice of God when I speak, the hands of God when I serve, the body of God when my body shows up in a room. My thoughts, God's thoughts, my words, God's words, my hugs, God's embrace, for there is only that which God is ever acting upon itself. So why not? Why? And I'm not saying, you know, like a Jehovah's Witness, go out and, you know, knock on people's doors and, hello, my name is Reverend Ray, and I'd like to offer you the Creative Thought magazine. Are you familiar with it? What about uh, Science of Mind magazine? I'm not saying that. But I am saying, when you have the opportunity to invite people to your center, do you do it? When you have the opportunity to show up at inter interfaith events to represent your center, your teaching, your philosophy, do you do it? When you're in conversation in the grocery line and something comes up and someone says something about Christianity and whatever, you know, fundamentalism and, oh, yeah, we, we, we don't, you know, gay people, you know, uh, love the sinner but hate the sin. And we, I don't want to say anything because I don't want to get into that conversation. But why not? Why not? This could be the opportunity to liberate them. Because none of us are free until all of us are free. For as long as they are bound by the enslavement of a theology that keeps them into othering and xenophobia and homophobia and all of that stuff, then on some level, I too am equally yoked and bound to that because none of us are free until all of us are free which we say, but, but there's only one. There is only one power and one presence showing up as the billions, only one. So does it not make sense that when liberation in that one is present, then liberation for everyone in the one who is the one, right? Follow. So for as long as I allow once again, there were people back in the past, you know, who, yeah, I know slavery exists and, you know, it, it oh, the, I, I feel for the black folks, you know, but, but what am I to do? 
you know, I'm just one person and there are so many others who, and yet there were abolitionists who one by one gathered together, two by two gathered together. And where two or more are gathered in the name of freedom, where two or more are gathered in the name of truth, then that which truth is, the nature of it must be present. And so they are moving based upon that truth. Is this the opportunity to explore and potentially break the chains of that paradigm for this person in this conversation? Or am I too steeped in fear to do so? Breathe. In the same way that physicians work with x-rays and MRIs and blood work and EKGs and all of that stuff and scans, and they look at the variations of illness and disease for the purpose of restoring that patient, that person into health and well-being. We as metaphysicians are called to do the exact same thing with consciousness. We are called to have an x-ray of the collective consciousness. Let us run the blood work of the collective consciousness and find out where the mutated gene is in collective consciousness. Oh, there it is. That's the mutated gene that is causing racism. And then do what is ours to do to eradicate that, to heal it, to transmute it, to transcend it, to transform it. Because for as long as we bypass and malpractice and just turn away from the effect. Well, we don't do that when we're hungry. Hunger is a physical effect. It is a condition of the body. And we don't say, well, I'm hungry. No, actually, I'm not because God can't be hungry. So no, and neither am I. I'm not hungry. I'm not sleepy. So I don't ever need to sleep again. And I don't ever need to eat again because God is good and I'm sustained. We don't do that with hunger and thirst. Fatigue. So why do it with racism, sexism, and all of those other things? It is a call from consciousness of the collective saying, I am hungry for freedom. I am hungry for, I am thirsty for righteousness and truth. And we understand this teaching is the perfect or is a perfect offering to bring healing to the world. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing this. We wouldn't be in this. So this whole idea of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps or what are you holding in your consciousness to create it? It's time to let all of that go. It is not effective. And not only is it not effective, it is abusive and traumatizing to the people we say it to. Breathe. Because if we are truly going to demonstrate and manifest a world that works for all, then we must shift and stand and walk a different walk. Ask ourselves, do I truly believe that God's spirit is all there is? A circle, circumference, nowhere, center, everywhere. Do I believe that? Because if I do, then I believe right here and right now that I am the very presence of it because it is all there is. And wherever I am, wherever you are, it must be because there cannot be God here and non-God here. God is all there is. Do I believe that? Do I live as though I believe that? Do I speak as though I believe that? Do I speak with the same authority 
as Yeshua? Do I have that commanding authority to know that when I speak, the word of God is speaking? That I have, we believe in the direct revelation of truth through our intuitive and spiritual nature, and that anyone may be a revealer of truth who lives in close contact with this indwelling, all-dwelling power and presence called God. It's one of our we believes. Do we believe it, though? We can read it. We can recite it. But do we believe it? Because if we don't believe it, then we erase the name. And it's the we say it, but... Now is the time to embody this idea of what it means, radical self-care, equity and justice, love and compassion, forgiveness, effective education, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's time to have these roundtable conversations where we do the same thing physicians do when they gather at conventions to talk about disease and illness. It is time for us as metaphysicians to do the same so that we are able to be the vehicle of liberty, liberation, justice, emancipation, so that we are able to step into a world that truly works for all. Do I practice new thought in such a way that, that I am avoiding and bypassing and malpracticing real world conditions where I just turn a blind eye, quote unquote, to that. I refuse to see it because as long as I, no, no, because that is not going to, if you went to a doctor or a dentist and the dentist said, oh, I can't look at your teeth. If I look at your teeth, then I'm going to believe in cavities. Would you stay with that dentist? Would you go to the doctor who says, oh yeah, I never do blood work or weigh you or do your blood pressure because to do that would mean I'm acknowledging that blood pressure and blood work and all that other stuff could be. So I, we just sit here and smile at each other and om shanti shanti om. It's all good. <coughs> no, I don't, I don't look at your lungs because I don't buy into, I don't believe in the world of effects. Would we stay with that doctor? No. Would we go to a restaurant, frequent a restaurant where the chef does not cook because Eating is a condition. Your physical body, I don't know. Mm, yeah, we don't cook in this restaurant. We just think about food. Would you go back? Would you pay for that? No. And we understand that. So it's important for us to recognize in the words of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Breathe. Because in the same way, Racism anywhere is a threat everywhere. Homophobia anywhere is a threat everywhere. Lack and scarcity anywhere, everywhere. Because there is only one. One mind, one life. In the same way that if we, if we all lived in one apartment building and I set my apartment on fire, do you actually think that somehow that fire in my apartment building, in my apartment, my my 1A doesn't affect you in 7Q? You understand that it does, for there is only one body of God. And anything that happens in the body of God must therefore affect the entire body of God. That is why we are truly being called into a new paradigm of, which, as I said, Dr. King said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. 
we are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. An inescapable net. We are all connected. You can't get apart from God. You can't separate yourself. We are caught in an inescapable net of mutuality. And for that reason, we are being called to be this teaching in the world. To be, we say, there is nothing that needs to be healed, only truth to be revealed. Then we are being called to be that truth. Not just speak it, not just pray it, but to be it, to be the prayer in action to such a degree that when someone is in our presence, they feel it. What do we do? How do we now there's how do we show up as justice and equity? How do I show up as this truth of love in action? How do I? Well, therein lies physician heal thyself, metaphysician heal thyself. Do it first, but recognize that there isn't just you. An inescapable field of net of network of mutuality. Do it through, for, and about yourself, and then you are called to now be that in the world. Do that for others. Be that for others. Breathe. We, we're, we're given a great opportunity here to actually be the agents of change, the catalyst of creation, the, the, alchemic, the alchemical masters of turning this into this. Lack and scarcity. There is only infinite abundance, prosperity, and opulence in this thing we call God. There's not just one kind of apple. There are variations of Granny Smith, Golden Delicious, Red Delicious, variations of an apple, of a rose, grains of sand, not just on one beach, but on all of the beaches, individual snowflakes. This thing that we call God creation is a demonstration. How many cells are in our own individual body in one hair? Well, in one hair, we are being invited to embody this that we know and go out into the world and shine it and be it and recognize it and do all that we are called to do about it. Breathe. Recognizing that this infinite power and presence, the all that is, is all there is. And the law always says yes. Yes to this service. Yes to this word. Yes to itself acting upon itself. And because the law says yes, I know that these words, this music, this prayer, this spiritual practice is the very answering of prayer by God, for God, about God, to God. For there is only God acting upon itself. And so the law says yes. And with that gratitude, I know that these words are not just raise words. These are the words of the universe speaking through itself, about itself, back unto itself, which means in the one mind, God, this prayer, this treatment, this service, this infinite expression is fully formed and fully functioning as answered prayer. A world that works for all is already in the one mind. That means it's done. That means it's answered prayer. Now, my invitation and your invitation is to be that answered prayer in the world. None of us are free until all of us are free. 
When all of us love, then all of us are loved. When we know, recognize the truth, then that becomes the ripples that go throughout the entire tapestry of creation, leaving no stone untouched, no blade of grass unmoved, no cloud left to not feel the very vibration of love and joy. All of God knows and knows that it knows and feels. That's our call. That's our invitation. Breathe. Breathe. Namaste. Much love and blessings. And I will see you soon. Take care.